listening to the Loving Liberty Network, and this is the Liberty Moms Show. Liberty Moms are the original Secretaries of Defense. We are the real defenders of the home front, and we are there when it comes to protecting our families and our communities. I'm your host today, Delaine England. I'm so happy to have you with us. I have two super Liberty Moms that are going to be joining us. We're going to start with Jen Washington. She is the head of the Utah Freedom Coalition also known as the Ultimate Fighting Championship, (laughs) which that explains Jen all over the place. She is the Ultimate Fighting Champion. And when it comes to liberty and defending our Constitution, she is just absolutely awesome. We are going to be talking today about two social media bills that are in the Utah State Legislature right now. And I just guarantee you, I don't care what state you're in, similar things are going to be um, arriving in your state. Would you agree with me, Jen? Yes. Yep. Yeah. And it's, it. you know what? They sound really, really good, especially if you read not the beginning of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> kind of get into it. So the bill we're going to start with is HB 311. And it was a much worse bill when it started. It It's much improved, but here's the deal. It is It all comes down to literally the issues that I have with it. Yeah. Um, it all comes down to lines. Sorry, I thought I had it right here. It comes down to, it has it has a lot of good parts. In fact, most of the bill is phenomenal. It's really, really awesome, in my opinion. I really like the bill, except for the one part. And it says that... And this is HB 311? This is HB 311. So, you know what? I'm so sorry. While I'm finding that line, let's talk about what the... Let's talk about... Why don't we talk for a minute about the, the great things about the bill? It has a lot of really, really great parts to it. And it, what basically what it does is it just says social media and it, it gives a very excellent definition of what social media is and especially interactive. And it, it makes an assumption that social media entities are targeting our children in a very negative way not to serve them, but they're targeting them in to, in order to really damage them and hurt them and to get them addicted. It actually uses that word, to get them addicted. And so it, it does an excellent job of laying out the problems with social media on minors. And, you know, to be honest, those problems actually apply to adults as well yeah and um do you want to 
I mean, do you have any feelings about that? Do you have any thoughts on that, Jen? Do you care about <laughs> yeah. what social media does to children? Yeah, no, I do think the intent behind the bill, right? The actual, like, they want to help children. I think the intent is well-meaning. It's um, it's one of those things, though, where the long-term effects and how far-reaching it goes maybe wasn't fully considered in the bill. But I think the intent behind it is good. I mean, we've seen what TikTok's done to our, you know, kids. We're seeing what, I mean, social media in general has and is doing to our children. So I don't think most people would argue that there's a social media problem, but I think it's more in the cultural rot of our entire um, country. Yeah, you've jumped right to the absolute core of the real problem. It really is the, um, it is the cultural rot and it's the lack of, of, I just really hate saying this out loud. I really don't want to offend anybody, but, but let's just be really honest as parents, we have kind of let the job as parents kind of go over to the side and we're kind of wanting the government to step in and Mm -hmm. save our children's from themselves and from us. And we have as a society. So I'm not talking about you as a parent listeners. I'm talking about the societal parents. They all want to be friends with their kids. They don't really want to take charge because it is hard. And, you know, kids nowadays, they, they're very powerful. They come with an already agenda and they have been exposed to social media and to a lot of technology and they really like it. And so they don't really want to have it taken from them. And so they've, they've kind of grow up, grown up in this world. And parents, a lot of parents didn't grow up in this world. The younger parents did, but a lot of older parents didn't. And so they really don't know exactly how to deal with it. But it is a social, it is very much a social disease. It is very much a social sickness. It Again, it's re, we have removed ourselves from a moral foundation. Yeah, and so, I, yeah. Yeah, the the one part about the bill that's problematic is it provides that a contract entered into by a minor by means of an interactive computer service is invalid unless the minor's parents or legal guardian consents to the contract. So the problem, that, that actually sounds reasonable, doesn't it, Jen? Yeah, I mean, it sounds reasonable, right? <laughs> yeah, because you know what? People. He, Kid, the social media companies, no company should be entering into a contract with a minor under any yep. circumstances. Minors can't enter contracts and minors shouldn't be getting on social media platforms and in engaging this without the verification or permission or knowledge of their parents. Right, the problem right. is that line, basically that one little line says in order for social media companies to de- verify they're going to have to find a way to verify it. Yep. What does that mean? How does a social media or any other company in the world, how does a company verify whether you are um, 18 or, or older? Yeah. How would they know that? Uh, that's digital. Well, I mean, it'll be driver's license, you know, your ID. 
Um, and then it'll move to digital identification, which is the goal, right? And I hate mm -hmm. to be the bearer of bad news uh, on this, but I definitely think this is a foot in the door. Like this is how they, you know, have gotten people to sponsor certain bills and whatnot. It's all, of course, for protecting children. And again, I think the intent behind it is that. But Absolutely. For other people that don't mean well per se, it's more of here's we can get our foot in the door with digital identification. We just need that one opening and we can go in. And then the other thing that I would like people to consider and think about, I wish it wasn't the case that social media was the town square. Because look, I, I'm the first to admit I hate big tech and I hate social media. Um but it is the town square, whether we like it or not, it is the town square. And so we have to kind of start from that, that position, which is, we may not agree with it. We may not like it, but it is what it is. And we are, we are breaching some first amendment rights. Possibly have we enjoyed what we've seen with the Twitter files and Facebook and all of this? Have, do we feel that their intentions are unbiased? Right. And that they wouldn't use social credit scores, things like that um, against people as this moves forward. So I just you know, these are some questions for people to ask, because as soon as you give them a foot in the door, they take the whole thing. And I wish it wasn't the case. Well, and I think this is honestly, it's really kind of more than a foot, because basically, yeah. They're, they're, you're saying you have to figure out a way, and they didn't make it clear in the bill what that way is, but they have to figure out a way to be sure that they get parental permission for anybody under 16 or under, is it 16 or 18? I think it's 16. Um, I, I think it's again. 16. I think they changed it to 16. So, uh, which, which we would all agree is wonderful. And like you said, the intent is fabulous. And most, like 90, 99, 98% of the bill is so great because it says, that they know that it causes the design or the feature of the social media company is they know it causes a minor to have an addiction to the social media platform. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so they're already making this is that we already know we have proof. We have verification. We know that this is damaging our children and we have all the evidence. I mean, we have tons of yeah. evidence that that's true with the depression, with the anxiety that our young people have, the suicidal suicidality, suicide, the suicide rate, excuse me, the rate of suicide increasing and the and the mental thoughts of suicide. And then um, then so that is presumed in this bill, which is really they've done an excellent job. And then it grants the Division of Consumer Protection enforcement um, abilities that gives them the power to enforce this, which is also huge, Jen, because, you know, if your child is hurt, it, how many people in the entire United States have the funds and the ability to go up against a social media company? Try suing one of them. Yeah. Like, don't. I don't, I mean, there might be two or three people and yeah. they work for the tech companies or they right. are the tech companies. <laughs> right. So like right. who else has that kind of might? So that's not going to happen. So this was brilliant to put in the division of consumer protection because then you don't have to sue. You just file a complaint. The, the division of consumer protection handles us. That's really awesome. I think that was a very good but can I bring up one point to that? Please do. So it's great, but who's making that judgment call? 
So if Absolutely. you reported, you know, and you said, I, my child's offended by somebody saying uh, that, that gender is female, male, they're offended and upset by this or whatever the case is, right? Who's making the judgment call, whether it's bad or good or whether right. it should be enforced or not enforced. And then whether it's damaging or not damaging. Right. And right. then now you're in a legal situation where, and I mean, this is happening right now. A kid was being, he's being arrested. I think, I can't remember which state, but he's being arrested because he didn't use somebody's correct pronouns. So, right. here, you yes. know, we kind of have to consider this. And this brings me to my, my greater issue with it, which is it is not the government's job to come in and parent. It's not, it's our job. And we've gotten away from that. We've we've just progressively yeah. gotten away from it. I mean, how many people? Not to be old school here. And by the way, I'm not that not that old. Um, but it's you know, family dinners. Are we having family dinners anymore? I don't think right. a lot of people are. Right? Are we? And, and if they are, are yeah. their phones at the family That's table? Exactly. I mean, really, and their truly. computers at dinner with them. You yeah. go out to dinner and watch. I mean, I'm sure you do this, <laughs> but it's so fascinating. Because I remember, go, I mean, I go out to dinner without, you know, we, we don't, we don't have our phones out. And, and, um, but you, it is so interesting to watch and see two people or even four or six people at a dinner table in a restaurant eating together. And at least four of the six are on their, if not all of them are yes. on their phones while yes. they're out to dinner with other people. They're, they're engaged in their phones. They just can't that's addiction they can't put it down long enough to have a meal with it the is people addiction. real life people and and you know yep. the government in you now in fairness in fairness not that we disagree jim but this is an important point sure, sure we have as a society we have and as a country as a state and even as cities we've decided that the government does have a role to protect children against um society and yeah exactly we don't allow even if parents let you the parents cannot have a um a beer party at the house <laughs> or right. wine whatever you can't have an alcohol party at your house where parents are there they're regulating they're making sure nobody overdoes it they're making right. sure no one thrives even parents cannot give alcohol to their own children they cannot obviously damage them as far as having sex or allowing them to be used as sex props in any way they you can't beat your children you actually can't even have psychological abuse to your children right. you can't allow your children to smoke you might be a chain smoker the kids are around it they're getting secondhand smoke you can't give your children cigarettes and allow them to smoke or even get a tattoo and right. so right. we have societal safeguards or god guardrails on children to protect them as a society from the culture or the society that would seek to damage and destroy our children. They are sure, important sure. and they are to be protected. And so that, you know, so there I can see why they want to come in and say, social media companies cannot target our children. They can't go after right. them even because, you know, it is a, it is a problem. Even if you never let your children on social media, they're still going to be exposed via the culture of society. One reason is because they go to school. If they go to public school, they're getting yep. exposed. Um, of course, the problem, too, is that they might have friends. We're hoping that our kids do have friends. And they go to their <laughs> friends and they're going to be exposed. And you can't, as a parent, 
you know, the only way to stop that is to not let them go to their friends. You can't really, you don't want them to live in a bubble and only stay at home. That's not really healthy either. So those are really serious problems. And, um, you know, that, that are part of our society. And then another part of the bill is it authorizes a private right of action to collect attorney fees and damages from the social media companies for any harm that is incurred by a minor who uses these platforms. And um, it creates a rebuttal presumption. And that is really important because mm-hmm. it changes that burden. And and I think that's important because we do already have evidence and know that they not only target our kids, but they also, there's so much evidence that they have harmed right. our kids. But it comes down to, do we sacrifice our children's and our privacy? But when we sacrifice our privacy in in proving our ID, we not only sacrifice ours, we're also sacrificing our children. Yep. We're sacrificing yep. their privacy. And you know what? Once you sacrifice privacy, is it for a short period of time? Is it just no. for a little bit? The problem is it, once you've lost your privacy, you've lost it really. There's, there's no delete button on social media there's no delete button there's no getting your privacy back it's true you never you can never recollect it no especially nowadays with everything being digital you can't recollect it it's you know it's a different ball game and i think the other thing too is if you're entering in that information i'm sorry to say and any um you know computer engineer can tell you this but it's hackable anything is hackable anything Anything so, you can get into yourself yeah. that you can set up for someone to enter through the front door, someone else can find a way to enter it. I mean, there's just no way that it doesn't happen. We know that. It's right. one of the most serious problems. ID theft is the number one crime in America right now that we know of. Um, right. It could be sex trafficking because we just don't know. I mean, I, yeah. I hate to think. But, but ID theft is a huge, huge crime and a huge problem. And yeah, so so the bill, while it has some really amazing, awesome, wonderful parts, it requires yeah. you to sacrifice your privacy. Mm-hmm. And so what we have to decide is as a people and a society, if we're willing to sacrifice our freedom in order to have safety. And right. so is it possible to, to protect our children from these social media companies and still guard our privacy, or do we have to trade one for the other? I mean, I think that really is the question. Is it, it is possible to do both, or yeah. do we have to sacrifice one or the other? Well, my other thing is, at some point, we're going to have to decide, are these social media companies publishing companies, or are they town square? You know, how is this all, uh, and what are the, um, basically, the repercussions for them? of silencing people right or because then you wouldn't be as worried there's other people that again it's data privacy there's other people who would probably sign up and not have a problem giving their age and all of that if they knew they weren't going to be silenced tracked you know analyzed thrown into a social credit score most people that sign up think that isn't going to happen to them i do think that most people originally think well that's not me you know those are big you know the big people Yep. But yep. but even if you're even if you're not okay, so we're we're we've kind of we've kind of condemned the social media companies in the bill we have, and as a society we we get how bad they are. So now we're saying, 
that they are the ones who need to figure out who get to be their customers and are not their customers by age verification? Do we want them? Yeah. Like that is one of my one of my problems with the bill is you're kind of saying yeah. how bad they are and then saying you figure out how you're going to to basically gather the data and do yep. we want do we do we want is there any is there anyone who wants them to have our data and do, is there anyone who trusts that if if you and it was originally in the bill that they couldn't share the data I'm like is there anyone that trusts them to not share the data because. And I'm at the front of the line of, I do not trust them to, to not share. I believe they will sell it. They will use it. They will use it against us. And they will actually, the thing about data, why it's so price um, valuable is because you can sell it over and over, not once. I agree. I think that that's a very big concern. Um, and I think social media companies, unfortunately, have proved to us that they're not being forthright completely right we've seen the hearings and things like that we've seen what's come out with twitter files there's a lot going on with social media and that goes back again sort of to that public private partnership fascism problem that we keep running into and so i just think we're actually making a much bigger problem down the line with these bills than solving a big one right it's yeah Yes. And that it is done. I do believe, like you said, it's done with good intent, but we have to look at the unintended consequences of this bill. Yeah. That very much concern me. Great testimony given, very compelling. I loved yeah. it, but we have to look at what will happen if this, this bill and similar bills go through. 100%. So your resolution basically is that we need to, I mean, do you have any other resolution? You're basically saying we need as parents and as adults in the room that we need to literally educate, 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 and we need to um, take charge. I have one other real quick, and that is Bill Lyman ran um, a data privacy bill of rights last year, and they killed it. But I think if they brought that back, that's sort of a place we can compromise and start a conversation. Because until we have protections in place for the people, then you're putting the cart before the horse. And uh, yeah, and also you need to have teeth. If, for example, the social media companies did give our information away, where's the teeth in it? Are they getting a felony charge? What's yeah. the, you know? Yeah. Well, it doesn't, I mean, he, they kind of took that part out of the bill because they're the not <laughs> telling them that they have to even, they just tell them they have to figure out how to do it. So, and I love that idea. And a representative Lyman, um, he doesn't want to make it a bill this time. Now he wants to make it a constitutional. He want to amend the constitution. Yeah, sorry, amendment. Yeah. And yeah. well, I mean, he did have it as a bill and I, and I love that idea because bills are so easy to change. Yep. I mean, they're not so easy, but they're pretty easy, especially if you just want to add a word or take a word out. Anybody can come and put not instead of shall, must, may. You can just change the entire intent of it, but with one small word. And so, um, you know, it's much harder to change the Constitution. So it'll be harder to add that. But that really is the genius, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It is. There's got to be protections first. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. First, we have to protect. First, we have to clear to protect. Jen, you are wonderful. Thank you so much for all of your work. You have just done so much and you are absolutely on the front lines and invaluable and you're a true stateswoman. 
Thank and you. A true patriot. And we really appreciate all that you've done. So thank you so much for being with us. And thanks for staying on top of the bills. We're thank going you. to take a quick break and we will be right back with Liberty Mom Show. Welcome back. Thank you so much for staying with us. You are listening to the Loving Liberty Network, and this is the Liberty Moms Show. Liberty Moms are the original secretaries of defense. We are the real defenders of the home front. And we have, I'm your host today, Delane England, and we have Liberty Mom, every A, joining us. Kristen is amazing. So much fun to work with. She is the chair or the president of Your Health Freedom. What's your What's your title, Kristen? Director, that's what we call director. It. Okay, director. So yeah, I might remember that next time, but you never know. But anyway, she's the director of Your Health Freedom, and she does so much to research and involvement. She is a true patriot and has done so much to help ensure and restore our freedom to make our own health decisions. And you know what's so great about that? It's not like you have to decide what I want. It's like you can choose your freedom in your health decisions, whatever you want to. So that is really um, just such a blessing. And I, I love working with Kristen. She's awesome. We're going to talk about a bill that is in the Utah legislature right now. It's HB 239. Representative Ward is the sponsor of it. It's called Medical Records Access. And Kristen, do you want to kind of um, just give us a summary of what this bill does? Sure. So what what Representative Ward has been trying to do for a few years now is centralize health data. And so this bill does that. Um, it sort of does that. What it does is it assigns the One Health, the One Utah Health Collaborative and the Utah Department of Health to get the hospitals together. It's the four biggest hospitals systems in Utah. So not just the hospitals, but all of the clinics and everything that go with them. Get them all together and have all their records in a centralized database so that they can be accessed from other places. Like if a person goes to the emergency room in an out-of-network hospital, then their records would be instantly available to that emergency room. And it sounds really great until you think through it a little bit and you realize that all of your medical information is going to be in a central place where if there's one hack, one data breach, all of the records for 75% of the patient, well, 75% of Utahns are patients in one of those four hospital systems. And um, then there are others, like up to 90% of Utahns will be in those hospital systems at some point, I think. Um, anyway, so it's a huge percentage of Utahns and also a huge amount of records that would be in there. And we're talking about personal records, things like um, if you had an abortion and then you wanted to put that behind you, it would be in this centralized database instead of just in, in, in your own healthcare systems records. If you had an STI or if you 
um, gave it, uh, had a baby and gave it up for adoption, or if you had a sex change, or I mean, any, any of the things that you want to keep private would be in this centralized database and all of the hospital systems and doctor's offices should have access to it. I know Ray says that his uh, representative board says that his particular system would not have access to it right now. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly how that works. But what they're trying to do is get all of these hospitals to share their data back and forth. Um, I can They've see tried that- before. They've tried mm-hmm. this in the past. They've tried this in the past with right. the chi, and it didn't work very well. It's not. It's still in. It's still intact, but it's not working because they're not forced. Doctors and medical right. professionals are not forced to go in and and put their medical history and medical records on this platform. And so it's not working. So this basically would just force all, it, it would, would force, force the yeah. biggest ones to come on. So you've done an excellent job explaining what the bill does. And, you know, actually when, when he talks about it, it sounds really like a great idea, doesn't it? It does. Don't you think it, sounds great? Mm-hmm. it sounds like we have a really big problem. You go to one health professional and have something done, and then you go to someone outside of that system, and they have no idea what's happened to you in the past. They have no idea uh, what tests you've done, and and it insinuates, it basically says people are not smart enough to remember what they had done. And the, and the real problem here is that patients have never really had easy access to their own medical records, so it's created this problem because you it's very hard, or it has been hard, to get your medical records yourself and people have not been accustomed to taking care of them and storing them themselves. They're kind of expecting someone right. else to do it. They That's go to a different, doctor, a different hospital. And so people have kind of been dumbed down to like, it's not my job. You know, you take care of it. It's true. And I think it's a cultural thing. We are so used to everybody taking care of us that we just want everyone to do it. And I asked my daughter last night, she's a medical assistant at a doctor's office. And I said, so how often is this an issue for you to get records quickly from one place to another? And she said that she actually has her own portal. She can go to the Stewart system. She can go, she's at Premier. So she can go from there to the Stewart system, to IHC. Um, I think, I think she has, she does not have access to a couple of the others. But other people in her office do have access, and I'm not sure how all that works. But she said usually they can get the records very quickly. And I asked her, I said, do you, when people need to bring in, uh, say, CAT scan information or uh, an x-ray or something like that, do you tell them ahead of the appointment to bring that, to stop by the other place and pick it up and bring it in? She said they do, but sometimes people don't do it. And I said, so what people are just, they need babysitters, they're lazy. And she said, yes. Like they'll come to the appointment without the stuff they were told to bring. Right. And they don't get their paperwork filled out in advance. This is a problem. Um, Yes, that that is very true. But as the testimony of most of the people in the committee meeting, they did testify that most of the things, the records that they need are very easy to access and and do get transferred over very quickly. Most of them very timely. But of course, 
no system we have is going to work 100% for anybody. So that is always going to be a problem. Right. Yeah. And even this system won't. Oh, I can't be. Oh. Okay. Okay. All right. Sorry. We just, I I was just talking to the highway patrolman. Yeah. She's at the Capitol right now. And so um, she's up there doing her job. And so it's very hard to find a quiet spot. And, and the highway patrolman just told you to be quiet. Oh, he, j- he just said he was closing the door. He's just, just oh, letting okay. me know he was closing the door. So now I'm in, in a lovely conference in. room yeah. all by myself. Yes, this is awesome. I was like, I'm not locking yeah. you in. You can go out when you want to. But yeah. <laughs> nice, nice and quiet. Thank goodness so, for that. Because my is lunch a, is out there. It's exactly. And you got to get to that. <laughs> This is always a problem, an issue or, you know, a, a, just an issue that we deal with during the session is how to get good internet and then how to also get a quiet Find spot. Find a quiet place. It's so hard. It's very yeah. hard. Yeah. You're doing great. Okay. So, you know, at front that it seems like a good idea, but then when you look at the unintended consequences of the bill, there's two issues that I see very problematic. One of them is you're going to take all the medical information of 70, at least 75% of the citizens of the state and put them in one place. Why is yeah. that a bad idea? As if it's not self-evident. <laughs> Tell us why well, that's I not a good looking, idea. I was looking this morning to see how many data breaches there have been already in healthcare systems. I haven't found everything that I'm looking for yet. Worse. Yeah. It's enough of a problem that there are several articles written about how healthcare systems could maybe strengthen their security um, on their data because there are breaches all the time. And um, when we're passing legislation like this, the people who are passing it are not IT people and they are not programmers. You know, they don't know this stuff. And there was right. an IT guy who testified. Uh, was that only yesterday? I yes. think it was yesterday. Um, who testified and he said these data breaches are going to happen. He said it's not yes. a question of if, it's just and a question of when. If you yeah. can go through the front door, you can always find a back. If you can set up a system and get in it, someone else can find a way to get in your system. Right. So all of that personal information, and maybe your personal information isn't, you don't consider it that personal. You know, maybe you've just gotten an antibiotic here and there, or maybe you've got, you know, just something really simple, a broken leg or, but there are many, many people who have other issues that if they were publicly known could affect their career, they could affect their family life. Um, in, in fact, they could destroy either. And health information is some of your very most private. In fact, maybe it is your most private information. And putting it in a central database is just a bad idea. I think it's bad enough that IHC shares your information through its system. I agree. I agree. But I we should be moving enough. smaller. You didn't. I mean, most people didn't realize that. I did not realize my husband's been to IHC. We had no idea that his information that his doctor is aware of is going to and accessible to everybody in the entire IHC network. We had no idea. Yeah, it is. It is being shared there and Premier Family Medical shares your data across, across their system. And as my daughter pointed out, they're sharing it between systems too, but that's a one on a, a one time share 
for a specific reason. It's not like your whole record is open. Like you, right. they will request a specific item from your, from your record. And I think and that's the way will, it should be. And you get to give yeah. permission for that to happen, which is a huge game changer there because you're giving permission. Right. And the article that you sent me, I think is worth mentioning. It says that um, in 2022, and this was done in, March of 2022. So this wasn't at the end of 2022. Over 3.7 million healthcare records were compromised as of March 2nd, 2022. 3.7 million healthcare records were compromised. 45 million exposed or stolen healthcare records. 45 million. That's, I mean, that is a really good reason in itself. To me, that is it. Now, there's also another reason that we were talking to some people yesterday and you, um, yeah, you discovered another reason that I think is also extremely important. And that is the usage of how how it would impact the medical decisions that maybe our med- our providers would would have on us. I mean, that was chilling to me. As chilling as this is, that was even more chilling. Do you know what I'm talking um, about? Well, yeah, there are two things that, that we learned yesterday or that we thought as we thought it through, yes, um, right. we figured out yesterday. One is that if they have access to, to all of the patient information, then they also know everything about what every doctor is doing. And and that could that could be a bad thing if there yeah. are doctors who are trying alternate treatments or um you know, there, there are lots of things that, that are private between the patient and the doctor. And, um, and sometimes things don't work for one person, but they do work for another person. And, and then during COVID, we had situations where, where people needed particular medicines and doctors were being given a really hard time if they prescribed them and pharmacies were having a hard time filling the prescriptions or, or refusing to fill the prescriptions and then reporting the doctors for prescribing. So that's one thing. And then it's something that's a, a little less terrifying is that if you go to one doctor and you get one opinion and then you want to go to another doctor and get a second opinion, if the doctor the second doctor has already looked at the opinion of the first doctor, then the likelihood of their giving a, a second opinion that's different is, is very small because they've already been tainted by the report of the first doctor and two things are at work there. They don't want to contradict someone who is their colleague. And the other thing is they, they lose all their creativity or their, their ability to discern if they've already got the solution in their head. And and we talked to somebody yesterday who had multiple situations like that in her own life with herself and her children where she needed an honest second opinion. And the honest second opinion is what made the difference. But if they had already had the information in her record, then it, it would not have turned out the same way. So those are two things to consider um, the the ability of doctors to actually practice medicine um, safely for them and then also for them to be effective for you. Exactly. So, 
And it really limits the thinking outside of the box, the creative, like, let's think this through. The idea is that you're already pre, you you just naturally get kind of, pro, oh, yeah, that, of course. I know as an educator, I never have ever looked at the records of my students in previously because I did not want to have a prior teacher give me their experience of that student because I didn't want to ever treat them predetermined or kind of have a, a bias against that student. I wanted to just fall in love with them for who they are and see their cuteness and their who I experienced them as and not feel pre pre-programmed into how I would experience prejudice. them. And prejudice. Yes. I didn't want to have any prejudice. So and I know that that happened to me when I was in school. I know teachers that came with pre-prejudice because of what had been put in because of a relationship I had with a prior teacher. And so I think it's just very much the same thing. And and healthcare professionals are under a great deal of stress. They're always crunched for time. And I think it really serves them to serve their patients if they can come with a clean slate. And we want them to think, you know, out of the box and more creatively and to be able to just, just assess our needs independently. Right. I do see some situations where it'd be helpful to have prior information. Like one of the legislators was talking about she's an obstetrician and somebody was flown into an emergency room where she was and she had none of the information on this person. In that situation, it would be nice to have some kind of a portal that you can go to, but those portals already exist. Exactly. If we have to do that kind of thing, we should be going to um, individual cells of information rather than putting all of that data into a hackable uh, situation. So, yeah. And I think, you know, the, the, what you just said was really important because it's not like they can't get that information most of the time when they need to know if somebody already had a test, if they, Oh, I've already been x-rayed. Usually people go into a, a, a hospital or even a doctor's office with their, they're awake, they're conscious with their brains intact, or they're with a loved one that's there. And so those records can usually be accessed. And of course, there are times when it, it can't and won't be able to be because they're unconscious or, or they can't remember. And so I think, again, education is so much the key is that we need to start to realize that we have some responsibility in, in housing and keeping track of our own medical records. I agree. Thank you. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you so much for all your work on this. So um, this bill did pass the House and it uh, committee, and it's going to be on the House floor. We don't know exactly when, or maybe you do. I, I don't. I haven't it. seen it yet. Okay, so um, thank you so much. Thank you for your hard work on this. Are there any other bills that you would like to talk about real quickly? Uh, just HB 131, the vaccine passport prohibition. It's um, waiting to be heard in the Senate. It has to go through second readings, and then it'll be a couple days after that probably that it goes through third readings. But I think I think we're in pretty good shape on it right now, and I'm very, very excited good. about and, that. Yeah. And AC-131 is passport vaccine, or vaccine passport prohibitions. Phenomenal bill, and we are so excited about this, and it is, yeah, it is really making progress, and we're really not getting any pushback or anything on the bill, so it looks like it's going to, it's made it all the way through the House, through the Senate committee, and on its way out of the 
out of the Senate floor. So, Kristen, I, thank you so we're much. We're excited about it. Thank you so much thank for being you. with Thanks us. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye. Okay. Thank you. Okay, so we do have some we do have some really great um I feel optimistic about some of the the bills that we have at HB 131 is such a great bill and we've worked very very hard on it and I am very optimistic about it. We're basically going back to how we were before the the covid debacle. Before that happened, we're just going back to how we used to live that your employer did not have the right, nor did they have the inclination to force you to do something you didn't want to. Those against your religious beliefs or your conscience or to make your medical decisions for you. And so we're just going back to that and to, to that pre-COVID time. And so that's a great bill. If you feel inclined, be sure and let your senators know that you support that bill if you do. And if you don't, then just don't bother to bother them about it at all. But <laughs> if you support it, then let them know and ask them to be sure and support that bill. So really, it comes down to if we want to secure our liberties, if we want to live in a free society, we must get engaged. They, they, there's something happens when you get to be in the legislature. And we know that we're impacted so much by the, the five people or the people but we spend the most amount of time there when you're a legislator, it's just so easy to feel very powerful and to feel like you can solve a lot of people's problems through passing a law. But what we do know is laws don't really make our problems go away. They don't solve cultural issues. We do need laws. We want to live in a state of law. We want to live under the rule of law, but that's not how we solve our cultural problems. We need to do that through our own actions, through self-governance, through the family, teaching each other, educating each other, and loving each other, and that we need to take charge of governing ourselves and take charge of our liberties. So, And we do have to get engaged. So I would ask everyone to spend five minutes every day and just donate five minutes of your time to get engaged and find out what is happening in your state, in your area, and let your elected officials know what you want and what's important to you and how important it is to, to um, always vote on the side of freedom. Sometimes it's hard to decide, but we always want to, because once we lose freedom, it's very, very hard to go backwards. It's very, very hard to go back and and retake our freedom. So I want to just take a really quick minute. We have two minutes left. I'm going to just take a second and just give you some ideas of what we can do to, as parents, as grandparents, as teachers, as members of society, to help rein in, um, help help our children understand social media. So we're social media is here to stay. Technology is here to stay. It's not that technology is bad. It's that we need to learn how to use it. So first of all, we need to make sure that our children understand the consequences of social media. They need to understand what it does to them. We need to first tell them very much limit it. They need to limit their use. That it does cause depression. It does ca cause um, a desire to, you know, um, it causes anxiety and 
we need to be careful on what we share. People share way too much. They don't even know that privacy is an issue and that it's an important issue. So we need to be careful that we as adults don't overshare and that our children don't overshare. We need to be really careful when we post pictures. It can We can tell a lot about what is a person and what they believe and where they are by the pictures. We uh, sometimes um, assume that privacy means safety, but it doesn't because what you what you share in a private manner can also be shared and gone out from there. So be careful what you share, period. Um, kids need to know that who their followers are. They need to know their followers and who they connect with. They need to know them personally. That is very dangerous, getting on there. They need to be very alerted and aware that there are predators on there that are out to get them, that they may never connect with them and never meet them. They have learned, these predators have learned not to go to where the child is. They've learned to lull the child into going to where they are and they're much more successful. So that's really important. Remember that you are the guardian of your liberty. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. 